And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Julie Ryder. Again, her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Julie, you must have had fun taking some of these pictures out there. I've taken thousands of photographs. So I find a new site sometimes. They'll take three to 400 a day. I brought hundreds of people here that also take incredible photographs. And different light, different shadow, uh, different days of the year show totally different uh, images depending on the light, the shadow, and where you're standing. And so it's kind of fun. Um, at first, people said I had pareidolia, but then when they got here and they started taking the pictures themselves, they're total believers. You have to be on site to really see how magnificent this is. Cliff Dunning was here last week from Earth Ancients, and we filmed a, we did a podcast. I told him for seven years that I wouldn't talk to him on podcast until he came and saw it himself, because it's a totally different experience being here. And he believes the Giza pyramids were a Giza power plant, doesn't he? No, that that's Cliff. Um, Cliff is Cliff Dunning from Earth Asians. Oh, Dunning. You're talking about Christopher yeah, Dunn. Cliff Dunning from Earth Asians. You're talking about Chris Dunn, who will also be at the pyramid uh, conference, the Global Pyramid Conference, on September 22nd through 24th in North in north of Chicago. Cliff Chris Dunn will be there and speaking about the power plants in Giza. So just Google globalpyramidconference.com and come join us. Fascinating. Fascinating indeed. What do you think the state fathers of Montana are saying about these structures, like the governor and things like that? Are they giving you any feedback? Um, The first feedback we got was from the U.S. Forest Service. And I was threatened with six months in prison with being banished from all national forests. They told me they were watching me. For what? Um, I asked I asked if they had a FISA warrant. When they they banished the Tibetan Rinpoche that had been coming, he said he will never come here again. I asked if they read the Freedom of Religion Act. Walter Echohawk wrote it. His law partner is one of my friends that goes to the Lakota Sundance with us. Um, threat after threat. And finally, I just told the woman that... Um, I, was, I had a dead man switch, which means that if anyone in my family was harmed, that if they started to dig up Giant's Playground, that I would push the dead man switch, which means I would announce to the world the GPS coordinates of 110 different sites, what was layer by layer by layer underneath, okay, and it would be a feeding frenzy. Julie, what did they threaten you with prison for? What You didn't do anything because wrong. They told me I was giving tours without a permit. Then they refused to give me a permit. Oh, Years later, um, a law enforcement officer drove up beside us at Giant's Playground, my husband and I, and I kind of thought, okay, here we go. <laughs> and he confirmed I was Julie Ryder, and he said, we have replaced the woman that threatened you. We've replaced the district forest ranger. Would you come talk to us again? And the new regime is wonderful to work with. Oh, great. That's good. It's good to hear. And so he came to Giant's Playground. We took photographs. He's working at protecting it. Okay. However, the real tangible mines is the real threat. Um, tell me, tell me more about that. Okay. Andrew Barker talked about the real tangible mines where they found megalithic structures in Spain that they had been stripped because they were owned by the Rio Tinto mines. They came here and tried to buy up a lot of the land around where Andrew Barker geoscans had found the artifacts. Um, it's a huge international corporation. They're now moving into China. And um, when they signed the agreement with the Department of Interior, 
was when they started building roads into these sites. Um, they're surveying with helicopters in grid patterns going over top. Um, they did give us a permit to Helena National Forest and told us that there were now two archaeology digs that they had found right behind Giant's Playground. So there's some plans to dig it up. Um, and I have told the, um, I, try, I tried to go to the Capitol and, and tell the people that my due diligence of informing them what was there. And they just kind of laugh and walk away. Um, so we did have one woman here who worked with the Forest Service. She asked if I could prove it, and I said, just come and look at it. She was here for two days, told me this would be worth millions and millions and billions of dollars to monetize this. I don't want to monetize it. That's not my goal. Our goal is to protect it and keep it safe and learn the knowledge. We have people from all over the world come to do sacred ceremonies here. We want to leave it intact exactly like it is. Right. I don't Thomas Stallman in, in Europe was excavated and it fell over. You can't excavate these sites. They're way too old. They're held in place by all the mud and the dirt and the scree and the roots from the trees. If you start removing that, they're going to tumble. Tumble and collapse. We already know what's down there. I'm sorry, what? They tumble and collapse, won't they? Exactly. On top of you. Right? We want to know what's there. We already know from the GTL scans what we have. Let's keep it intact. Let's protect it. Okay. Um, right now, there's, there's a huge eagle that... Uh, coming out of a rock, a monolith that overlooks the goddess Stallman. We caught a man on a ladder with a sledgehammer. He broke off the wings. There's been spray paint oh. on some of the areas. Fire is put underneath. Them. Why do people do that? Protected. I don't know. It just it, it breaks my heart because they've lasted here for at least 72,000 years, and all of a sudden they're spray painted. It makes no sense. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. However, sometimes I believe that this is done for an excuse to be able to put a fence up around it um, and cut off. Oftentimes these sites are, are isolated and so that um, people can't go see them. The beautiful thing about Montana is you can sleep under a dolman. It's on forest land. Yeah. Let's take There's some calls for you. Let's go to Jeff in Billings, Montana to get us started. Hey, Jeffrey, go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call, and thanks for having this really neat guest. I hadn't really heard of um, this place before, and I actually live in Montana, but, of course, Montana's huge. It takes, like, it's 12 hours state. to drive across it. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, my question is, um, have you done any research into the Native American um, folklore, um, if this site has come up? I know the four nations that are most likely to have interacted with it would be the Salish, Kootenai, Blackfeet, and Pendurai. Um, they're up there because um, there's got to be some mention of, of it um, because they've been there for um, lo a lot longer than we've been here, like thousands of years. Um, and I'm more familiar with the Native American sites on my end of the state um, and in Wyoming, like the Medicine Wheel. And there's also sites um, in the Prior Mountains. That's in the Bighorns. The Prior Mountains are, have some sites associated with the Little People, um, which is in folklore um, and down in the San Pedro Mountains in Wyoming, they actually found a mummified little person, um, which is kind of weird. Um, have you found any correlation maybe between the little people and this site? And then my um, final comment is if you could, if um, I don't know if you found any pictographs around there that could indicate that um, any of the Native American nations had visited there, but if you can establish that um, this site that you're working with is uh, 
has evidence that it was possibly a Native American sacred site. Um, if you can get that kind of designation, you could get a whole lot of allies and get a lot of protection on that site. Thank you. Um, which question do I start with? I'll start with the Blackfeet. This was considered Blackfeet country. And yes, there's been Blackfeet people here who have explored the site. And um, there's kind of a, it's a two-edged sword. Some of the Blackfeet elders get very upset when we talk about the Buddhas, when we talk about Tartessia, when we talk about the more ancient, multiple icons from all types of civilizations and cultures. The, um, some of the younger, more progressive uh, Native Americans who have come here, Blackfeet, are very excited about it. Sure. Um, I did do sun dances and in um, Blackfeet with a family who's um, the Crawford family, who runs the sun dances at Heartbeat. Um, and one of the Crawford brothers has the oldest genetics in North America, so it's 17,000 years old. They can trace the genes back. So that proves that the Blackfeet have been here a very long time. I also work with um, the Nez Perce. Uh, I travel with them every year. In fact, you'll love this story. We traveled last year to the Medicine Glen, Wyoming, and these are very powerful women. They're, um, the one woman I travel with has like five male chiefs in her family. She's, she's a very powerful woman, and she goes into the medicine wheel, they just open up the gates, they go to the medicine wheel, ask everyone to be quiet, and no photographs, and they do ceremony. She hands me a medicine bag, a tobacco chai, and she says, Julie, throw this in the center and make the impossible wish. I looked at the sky, and I wished for Dr. Sam Osmanovich to come. He headed the Bosnian pyramids. He's my hero. That very time, Dr. Sam says that an email popped upon his computer that he'd never seen before about the Montana Megalith. So he contacts me and he says, I've read both your websites, watched all your videos, read all your work on Facebook. Congratulations, you've done it. I'm coming to Montana. And he came for two days. So sometimes your wishes come true, particularly this medicine wheel is a very powerful place. But I also feel it figured out that if you take the medicine wheel and you draw a line from that up to the Montana vortex, a straight grid line, there are nine pictograph sites, four medicine wheels, Sundance wheels, um, multiple sites exactly on that line between those two points. So it's on a grid line. Julia, how close are these sites from Custer's last stand at the Little Bighorn in uh, southern we're Montana? Um, I, I think the sites might extend to there, but what we're discovering in Helena, uh, we're, I'm guessing, a few hundred miles. You see, Germany and Montana are the same size. Germany has about 82 million people. Montana has barely 1 million people. So there's vast areas here that are not populated. Right. The megaliths are spread out over well over 100 miles, but I, we haven't studied that far yet. Is there any benefit to getting this named as a Native American site or anything like that? If the, if the Blackfeet was set up and claimed as a sacred site, it would put another step into the real change of minds being unable to dig it up. Um, I've met with several elders, um, and it's difficult for them to accept a history that is, um, how should I say this? Unless they turn it into a casino. 
my concern. I don't blame you. That's Tom, my concern. To Thomas in La Jolla, California. Hey, Tom, go ahead. Hi, George. Thank you very much. Thank and you, Julie, sir. you are doing fantastic research. Thank you. It's just the deepest appreciation from me. I have a couple of comments, and then that leads to a question. Um, I can't help but think that uh, women once ruled the world. You've already mentioned that the last ruler of Atlantis was a woman, and um, the idea that there was a major Anunnaki leader who was a woman. And um, I can't help but think also that there was a disagreement, a disagreement among the extraterrestrials, you know, here in the solar system, and um, how they implemented that disagreement was with asteroids, asteroids as kinetic weapons, you know, to uh, destroy the face of the Earth. This is not my idea. Um, a friend of Coast to Coast, now deceased, Jerry Pornell, once wrote essays and fiction yep. concerning asteroids as kinetic weapons. Lu- 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 Lucifer, Lucifer's Handle, right? Uh, yes, and Footfall, if you yep. read the book Footfall. Oh, that's right. And then plus he had essays in uh, uh, like A Step Further Out, that type of thing. But the idea... I can't help but think that there was a disagreement among the extraterrestrials. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. And how they resolved it was they used kinetic weapons, which was diverted asteroids to hit the Earth. But it was catastrophic. And it overturned, it overturned a matriarchy, a time when women once ruled the planet. Anyway, any comments on that? And thank you again for your research. It's just, uh, you're incredible. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Um, I was at a Native American conference of chiefs, elders that they've held for 30 years. Um, I was invited in and asked to facilitate. Orrin Lyons, who's a spokesman for the United Nations, headed the conference. He stood, and the first thing he said was this. In the indigenous world, the women are in charge. They always have been. They always will be. You will hear me say nothing but what my clan mothers tell me I can say. Do you think Chief Joseph wrote that speech? It was the clan mothers. Do you think Chief Chiana wrote that speech? It was the clan mothers. They only said what they were allowed to say. But most indigenous worlds, they're still matriarchal. Maybe not on top, but underneath. The women are the power source. I'm looking forward to a world where it's egalitarian where we are equal power. However, in the past, there have been epochs of time when males ruled, epochs of times when females ruled. When Andrew Barker first talked about cutting hair, he said, we have found huge titans, uh, many, many statues of females around the world. Usually they're pregnant. It's all about fertility. And when he talked about the goddesses, I said, okay, you can come. Because I truly believe that um, because goddesses, women can give birth, there was a time when the power to take life became more important than the power to give life. I don't know if that was because of a catechismic event, but the world turned over about 5,000 years ago. 
from a matriarchal world into a patriarchal world. Um, it's very interesting being a female in this field. Um, I find it almost archaic the way I'm treated. Um, it's it's just interesting to me. It is indeed, that Julie. What are the world. what are the flash fossil beans? Flash fossilization. There's a whole page on my website about this. There's a man named Peter Judd who has done massive research and videos talking about an instantaneous flash fossilization when the sun, there's a plasma burst from the sun that turned everything into stone instantly. And he even shows modern forests that have been turned to stone within a year, completely fossilized. They used to think it cost 10,000 years. Now they're finding it can happen in an instant. And so many of the beans we see here, I even see a flash fossilized Sasquatch. He's huge. He's up on a pillar. You can see his buck teeth. You can see every hair exactly intact. There's a huge dragon. The eye is very large. You could walk into it. It's anatomically correct and matches the human eye to 22 points. Everything is still there, even the uh, pupil and the, and the iris. They're just right there. And so what happened was there was some type of an event that flash fossilized all these animals, including uh, dinosaurs, dragons, a rock bird. And they're just perfectly intact. The Bible talks about this when Lot's wife was turned to stone. Um, it's a plasma event. And much documentation on it by a man named Peter Judd. It's on my website under the page called Flash Fossilization. Interesting. I had a story right before you came on, Julie, that there is a theologian who believes there was an atomic blast that blew out Sodom from the biblical days. We'll be back with final calls with Julie Ryder in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie back with Julie Ryder and your calls, our final segment here. Julie, do you remember the first moment you saw the megaliths? What was it like? I was just, I remember the first moment I saw Eagle Mount. I was on my knees. Um, it was just the most astounding thing to to stand at the bottom of a 1,500-foot eagle, completely carved, completely intact. Um, when I first discovered the Boulder Dome, the very first stallman, I wasn't quite sure. I had to go home and do a lot of research. And so my method of taking this out into the world is to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people all over the world. My website's in 72 languages. Um, I've been invited into Russia twice. I've been invited into Egypt, all over the world, to do correlations with other people who are doing similar research. And so when I put it on the Internet, what do you think? I get back pictures from um, Australia, from all over, of exactly what we have here on many of the dolmens, on many of the artifacts. Uh, I had no idea what a hunaman, what a monkey god was until I put it on the Internet. However, um, altogether, we are building a body of knowledge. And so I'm very into collaboration. I'm very into to, um, sacred people coming here and doing these ceremonies that activate this ancient technology. It's, it happens each time I find a new site. Um, it's like... I just, I don't want to go home. I just want to stay there. And sometimes we just bought a motorhome. And so we pull it into the woods and we just stay there. Just lock yourself in and do your thing. Right. 
because you can see the sun come up. Yeah. There's a certain light and shadow. It looks completely different when the sun's going down. Do you imagine so, what it was like 70,000 years ago there? I, I often do it. I want to put the blocks back in place. Andrew Barker talks about how um, there's chaos and just uh, and rubble, and then out of the rubble comes this beautiful dolmen standing up. I, I want to put those blocks back in place like a puzzle until they fit. Okay. However, I find these sites because I'm an intuitive. I'm a remote viewer. I just walk right to them. Seriously, I just take off into the wilderness and walk right to the sites. I've done this over and over. Um, I was in the Evergreen Dolmen, and I did the mantra that Miguel Vergara had taught us of how to open the gates to different time periods. I finished the mantra, ran down, jumped in my rig, and drove 85 miles and found Dragon's Lair that afternoon. That's exciting. It That's opens cool. that time period, and so therefore I can see what's in that time period. Um, it's like I just I wanted to find an ET, and so I did. Um, I have found different people that have helped me on this. Like, um, I woke up one night and told my husband, I need to go to this bar. I got dressed, went to a bar, and met a man that took me to a pictograph site. And so it's like, it's a knowing. It's just a knowing. I can't describe it. I just know. I was a medical intuitive for many years, the time I was 28, and I'm now 73. I just knew. Um, it's difficult to teach other people to do it. Uh, many people came here that had the same gift. And so it's just an extension of that knowing. Sounds exciting. Let's go to Brian in Indianapolis, east of the Rockies, to get us started. Hey, Brian. Hey, George. Good morning. How are you? Great. Hope you are, too. Uh, plugging away here at work, trying to get to 5 a.m. It's coming. Hey, uh, listen. Oh, I know. Listen, man, we're going to have such a good time in Columbus coming up. Oh, well, you're coming. That's everybody. right. You're going to be there with the, the wife, right? Well, she, it's a busy time down in Nashville, Indiana, and Brown County, so it started the busy season, and it's her weekend to work, so she's not going to be able to show up this time around. Well, we, we'll at least see you. That's oh, all right. yeah, we're gonna have, we're we're gonna have a hoot. It's gonna be a good time. Okay, well you're on with Julie Ryder. Hey Julie, what a what an interesting topic, and uh, this is you know Montana's on my bucket list of places to go. So this is something else that I'm gonna have to add to the list of things to see in Montana. But I gotta I I've, I've been trying to research all this because this is something I've never heard of in Montana. But I've come across uh, some words. And uh, how some geologists explain, or they say that these these megaliths and, and stuff were just uh, natural results of batholith, if I'm saying that word right, batholith exposure, and glaciation. Now, if if, if if my memory serves me right, I'm not sure if Mon Helena, Montana, was covered in the last ice age, and if 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 that is correct. How could both of these, that batholation exposure and glaciation, uh, how could the geologists explain that? And how can you explain that away? If you, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do, Brian. And I've asked that question many times. Many people ask that same question. So the standard narrative is that these are glacier erratics. My question back is, how does a glacier erratic form perfect 90-degree cut blocks? that stack up in a exact line, aligning with the winter solstice. So you can tell that it's a megalith intentionally constructed. If there's 90-degree angles 
Granite only naturally splits in 30 and 60 degree angles, rarely 90 degree angles. So you've got an entire wall of perfectly cut rectangles and squares, four 90 degree angles on each edge that has to be intentionally constructed. The geologists are just promoting what they learned in school years ago. We also have vertical seams that are exactly equal distance apart that cut down 40, 50, 60 feet. How did the glacier erratic form a perfect, perfect eagle or the eye of an animal that is exactly correct to 22 points to a human eye? That's not possible. And so I think that these, uh, by the way, the, the ice uh, sheet came right above Helena, Montana. So they're looking at the last few thousand years. We're looking hundreds of tens of thousands of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. We're matching these ancient civilizations all over the world, identical matches. Julie, did Ted Ted Turner, the great uh, entrepreneur, owns a huge ranch in Tustin, Montana. How close might that be to the megaliths? Do you know? Actually, that there lies a story. Uh, my husband and I own twenty acres up Deep Creek, right across from Ted Turner's property. And there was a fire in 2000 that burnt down Ted Turner's land, and he says, don't put it out, just let it burn. The wind shifted and took out our land. Jeez. The other great story about Ted Turner's land is that my husband used to play a drum, and he would, he would do a hummingbird drum, and the next day we see hummingbirds. He would do a coyote beat drum, and we see coyote tracks coming across. <laughs> and one day he did a buffalo beat, and I says, Bill, you're pushing it. The next day as I was coming home, there were all these buffalo on Ted Turner's land right across from our... No uh, way. Wow. Yeah, way. And so, yeah, we were neighbors. Did you ever meet him? Uh, no. Pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. West of the Rockies, Kelly and Bonnie Lake, Washington. Hi, Kelly. How you doing, George? Great. Thanks for holding. And uh, Miss Julie? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to congratulate you for for uh, bringing this up. This is, you know, truly amazing uh, stuff that you guys are talking about. And, um, and uh, you know, letting everybody hear this. Uh, so what, are these things called uh, mud fossils or they were like once alive, right? Roger Spur and I have had multiple conversations about this. Roger Spur has done massive research on what he calls mud fossils, the anatomy, the physiology of biological beings, humans, giants, that were caught in a mud flood. Yes, some of these were mud floods, but there was also other things that happened. There wasn't just one mud flood. And this is where Roger and I kind of go on different tracks. I believe there were multiple civilizations of multiple mudflats, multiple flash-fossilized events that happened over long periods of time. Um, Rogers Spurs done some amazing, in fact, he even did DNA studies where he extracted the DNA from these huge stone feet and sent them into labs. I believe it was Max Planck University and I believe it was Yale or Harvard uh, under a human name, and they came back as human DNA. We have a lot of those six-toed giant feet here that are 40, 50 feet long, perfectly standing up, perfectly intact. You can see the toenails. You can see where the skin is ripped off. You can see every bone. Being a nurse, I'm very into the anatomy and the physiology of what's underneath the cover, and that's how you tell that it was a biological living being.
Do you think, Julie, each megalith has a reason for its construction? And I think it has a reason why it's constructed exactly where it's at, because we draw a line between the, the, the seven or eight dolmens in pipestone. You draw a, a line which is 62 miles uh, long, which is 100 kilometers, from pipestone to Mystery Rock Prime, and there are nine dolmen sites in that exact line. They're lined up exactly. The Kaiser Dolmen looks exactly like a Tesla tower. So... These were intentionally constructed. That's the word I use. When people say they were man-made, my comment is we don't know if man-made them or not. Um, so I call them intentionally constructed. Right. And, yes, there's purposes for each of them. First-time caller Nicholas with us in North Carolina. Hey, Nicholas, go ahead, sir. Hey, George, thank you so much for taking my call. It's thank 3 o'clock here on the East Coast. Uh, I stayed up just to become a first-time caller uh, as a new listener. Well, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what you do. Uh, just to keep it respectful for your listeners, I have uh, two easy questions, one for you, one for uh, Julie, who is amazing to listen okay. to. Okay, let's do Julie first, Nick. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, Julie, you mentioned earlier, and you may have already actually answered my question, you had mentioned earlier uh, in, in past uh, civilizations uh, the, the resonance theory, and then you mentioned that one of your uh, people that you've known in life uh, actually used the drums to summon animals. Basically, what I was asking was, do you think resonance was a kind of technology that was um, only used in a, in, a, in a larger setting? Or do you think resonance is something that someone could use in their daily life? Nicholas, I truly believe that resonance is something that um, the whole world is based on frequency, vibration, resonance. Um, there's a frequency in the universe. There's a frequency that connects all things. And so when this becomes part of your life, certain musical tones. Um, my husband is a shamanic drummer, and he was the one that, that drums a lot and calls in animals. So everything is based on frequency and resonance. So use it and let us know how it works for you. I think so, too. Nicholas, what's the question for me? Yes, sir. Um, so um, in regards to your support network, which you do a great job of doing, do you think, um, because I'm in my 20s, I'm a, I'm a new listener, I'm a first-time caller, is there any advice that you would give to a first-time listener in regards to a support group as an experiencer, not just in um, UAPs or UFOs, but maybe also the paranormal, just, just in general, uh, what would your advice be? Well, what I would recommend is you do is to spend some time on our website searching through past shows and see which ones interest you and what guests interest you and uh, follow their websites and things like that. You'll find you, you'll find most of our guests to be very accessible. Uh, there's local MUFON chapters, mutual UFO network chapters all over the country. You might be able to find those online. And uh, just keep listening because you'll you'll hear a guest or a group of guests that come on that you really click with, and that would be important for you. And the fact that you're in your 20s, that's fantastic. We've got a lot of 20-year-old listeners who call the program and they listen religiously, and uh, I hope you begin to become one of those too. Next up, let's go to Joe in Monterey, California. Hey, Joseph. Thank you for taking my call, George. I'll try to make this quick. Um, 
Now, we know that there's a lot of uh, uh, unusual buildings uh, and monoliths and, and pyramids around the world. And it seems that, that maybe we're being colonized by ETs and maybe they're seeding us. I'm going to put that out there. Now, if you knew a disaster was coming, wouldn't you go back home and bring some of the, as they say, product, like a feasibility study? I would. I'm thinking of the Mayans and how quickly they disappeared. I would. Your thoughts, Julie, on the fact that they stayed? My thoughts are that uh, there have been multiple, multiple feedings of planet Earth from multiple star nations, and that's exactly what the Navajo teach, and that um, I've heard a lot of theories about how when there's going to be some type of a catechistic event, mother ships come and take us to other planets, to other places. I tell Bill, we're part of the ground crew. We want to stay here on planet Earth, and if catechismic events happen, we will help survive through that. We have when we first met, the first night we met, we talked a lot about being part of the ground crew, about being part of the ones that chose to survive on planet Earth and to build a new world here. And so the people that gather here, we talk a lot about building a new Earth, building a sustainable community, and moving into the sixth world in a good way. Julie, I want to thank you for being on the program. Good luck at your event near Chicago in a few weeks, and I hope you knock them out, okay? Thank you. Julie Ryder. Up next, we're going to be talking about dreams and the paranormal on Coast to Coast AM. But I want to say Julie's website that has these incredible pictures of these megaliths. If you haven't seen them yet, her website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. And we also have a few of her pictures on the website already. So we will be back in a moment on Coast to Coast AM and deal with your dreams and mystery schools on Coast to Coast AM. 